Live from ClickOrlando.com, this is News 6 at 5.30. This is a News 6 Plus takeover. Here now is Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells with Talk to Tom. Hello, everybody. I'm Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells. Welcome to the first ever Talk to Tom. Well, it's not really the first ever. Talk to Tom has a long history, of course, here at the WKMG studios. Um, it started back in 2004 during the hurricane season. Angel Blasquez, executive producer here at the station, came up with the idea of uh, trying to do social media before there was such a thing as social media. What we did was we started taking calls from you, the viewer, during our live coverage of the hurricane season. This is Martin. Yes. Hi, Martin. Okay. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm in Osceola County. My roof just blew off. I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's a, a tornado or half of it just blew off. And like yeah. the, the windows are all busted. I mean, oh, wow. I don't know what to do. So what has happened to Talk to Tom is that it's kind of grown up over the years to where now I do it on Facebook Live a lot. And we also do it in our hurricane coverage. So what we're doing now is this. It's got its own slot, its own time slot. It's a dream come true for me. And hopefully it'll be a good program for you too. Um, today is going to be kind of different because I'm not going to start out taking calls from you. That's going to come a little bit later. You can always get your questions in. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Right now, I want to talk about what we've just gone through, the hurricane at hand. We went through Ian, but Hurricane Nicole bit us and bit us hard. Our home has not been um, habitable since after Ian. The seawalls went. Everything fell after that. We're sweating bullets because the next Northeaster, Wilbur-by-the-Sea as we know it, is going to be gone. It's just not going to be able to withstand it again. Let's take a look at some of the damage. It's damage like I've never seen before here in our viewing area. Those ugly shots coming out of Wilbur-by-the-Sea have just been astounding. The sheriff said it looks like a bomb went off. That's one of those terms that we overuse in the media. Um, war zone. Bomb went off, but look at that. What else could you say about that? It looks like a bomb went off. It really, really does. Daytona Beach Shores, Wilbur by the Sea. Those are the spots that we'll be talking about for decades to come. And watch that tree fall right there. There it goes. Wow. If you have not seen this video, it's heart rendering. It's heartbreaking. It's soul crushing. I can only imagine what the people who have all their memories tied up in this place, feel when they see their trees falling, their houses going away. It is incredible. Now that the storm is over, we sent meteorologist Jonathan Kegis down to the shore. Uh, Jonathan is with us now on Talk to Tom. Welcome, John. You're like the first, the first hey. real guest on Talk to Tom. Tell everybody where you are. Are you at Wilbur-by-the-Sea or Daytona Beach Shores? Uh, we are in Wilbur by the sea and that tree that you saw that you just referenced we are actually right in front of that house So it's hard to believe we're able to stand here right now Wow, okay, so Jonathan tell me how much um, How much more happened we were covering it during the daylight hours, but high tides have been coming and going since the storm Actually went through there are no dunes in front of you. So our big fear during the night hours when we can't see the high tide is that things are getting worse. How much worse was it overnight? Is it today, all these days later? 
Well, and it's, you know, when you, when you mentioned that, it's obviously the storm is long gone, the, so the waves aren't as high, but where I'm standing right now, we got here a couple of hours after that high tide, and it was still coming up to where I'm standing. Yeah, it's really, really sad. Now, I was trying to explain live on the air about why uh, the waves are so big and so strong, even though this was only a Category 1 hurricane. It's not a Cat 5. It didn't come raging out. It was a Cat 1 that slowly came out. And let me talk about it for just a second, and then I, I want to know what you think. The way a wave gets set up is the wind speed. How long the wind has been blowing that hard, and a thing we refer to as fetch, which is how much length of water or breadth of water has the wind been blowing over. So we had winds blowing somewhere out there, hurricane force or good tropical storm force for days on end. And then we had a big fetch. So we had the entire North Atlantic really, because it started as a subtropical storm, just a big upper level turning system. So those waves built about as high as any waves we've ever had on the coast in the last I know 20 years. I can't imagine another storm. I don't remember one where we had waves knocking on 20, 25 feet just offshore and crashing on shore at 15 to 20. It was nuts. It was. And, you know, you mentioned that of that that subtropical nature. Uh, somebody that I talked to that knows somebody who lived in the house where you saw that tree coming mm -hmm. down. They referenced the nor'easter back in 1982 is where those waves got really high. Nothing like this, of course. But one of the reasons, those nor'easters are huge. So that fetch that you talk about, and this started out as that that hybrid storm that had it had non-tropical characteristics. And we had, I mean, there was storm surge flooding going on in South Carolina when the center of this thing was down by the Bahamas, as you well know. So mm -hmm. yeah, nothing has ever been seen like that in this area, as you mentioned. Okay, so you drove in there this morning. What did you see? What? Give me a, an idea of the lay of the land. I can see the erosion. I know somewhere along oh. uh, about a dozen of homes have crashed in the water what's it like right on the front side of that or across the street what, what's the difference yeah so i'm going to show you if we can turn the camera i'll show you the vantage point here and we we still were almost not able to walk onto the beach access because oh, even wow. though the tide was coming out it, there was still water coming up the beach ramp even though we already had high tide like three hours prior so from the drone video you saw yesterday, there's the palm tree that fell. Wow. That's just on the ground right now. So things are just, just crazy. So a different vantage point here. And all the sand there, you see the, the pool hanging over, the concrete. I mean, I cannot believe that pool be is here. still there. I can't believe it. <laughs> neither, neither can we. Um, we saw uh, Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Chipwood, and he was like, we're concerned about every high tide cycle now because there's no protection. And that's going to be the problem going forward. I mean, hopefully, God forbid, we don't have to deal with any kind of storm, whether it's another tropical thing or even one of those wintertime nor'easters off our coast, because anything that increases that surf is just going to be devastating. Yeah, uh, see, so there's no way to buffer. There's no, they're not digging mm -hmm. water ditches or putting up walls. They're just letting it ride. That is right. Now, so if you can uh, pan a little bit, this was the old seawall, and this is what was taken oh, wow. out by Ian. Um, the gentleman who I was talking to earlier that, uh, that knows somebody in that one house, he was talking about that they put up a makeshift one to kind of block high tide, but, I mean, it didn't last an hour, of course, in a hurricane. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's going to come in un unimpeded until 
that can get down okay. again. It's crazy. So I'm looking right there on the video. And so where the seawall didn't fail, mm -hmm. the homes are still intact. Yes. Uh, they were mentioning about some had like the a little bit newer. So that mm -hmm. one that you were looking had the caps on top that prevented it or some of the Kikino rocks that they were talking about. That's where the seawalls held a little bit better. But where there was no none of the, the the sand dunes or the or the big rocks, that's where we had the real big problems. And of course, this whole section of the seawall is gone, as you can clearly see. It's just just awful. The things we think about to mitigate the surge like that, the seawall, obviously, but also the mangroves. I see mangroves behind the seawall at the other houses. So the houses have failed and fallen and tumbled into the water. Was there vegetation? Did they have mangroves? What? Nothing. There, there was, and actually, uh, um, one of the gentlemen that I was talking to was said he thinks that they're probably going to have to make them do that on the rebuild, because the ones that are still standing did have that to kind of absorb some of that water, absorb some of the shock of those waves. So it's interesting to see the ones that are still standing do have that extra rock that absorbs and, and does have the, the vegetation as well. Rebuild, Jonathan. Rebuild. Yeah. Well, and that, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's will that know. happen? Um, and I'll show you. I'll show you some of those rocks. So gonna, Je our photographer Jeff Seegers is going to pan over. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. that's one's right next to the house where you saw the uh, the palm tree fall down. And so the house so. to this, you're you're on the beach. So just to the south, that house yes. appears to be doing okay. It, it was. It lost the seawall to the right, and then it kind of came around it. And then got it that way, and then the front porch looks like it's it's falling in. So it's it came around where it's kind of like lightning, I guess. It find it found the path of least resistance, and it just eroded all of all of that underneath from the other side. It's it's just awful. All right, Jonathan. Listen, I'm gonna let you go for just a moment. We're gonna come back and ask you a few more okay. questions about who you've talked to, what they're going through, what their thoughts are. But we want to take a break real quick here. We're gonna get back to uh, Jonathan in just a moment, and we're gonna give you a chance to ask a few questions to or answer some of your questions that you have sent in. You can always find us on clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom. You can submit your questions there and we'll do our best to answer them as soon as we can. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for staying with us and coming back to talk to Tom here on the powerful new six plus takeover. This is the very first episode of the new style of talk to Tom coming to you from inside the newsroom of the powerful WKMG news six. Um, I'm going to be here once a week, every week. And so if you have questions you'd like to ask, you don't have to wait for a big time storm to be coming through. Just get those questions answered. We'll do that right here. We have been talking about Hurricane Nicole, the damage that we've suffered, the loss that is along the coast, and meteorologist Jonathan Kegis, who if you've not been awake early on a weekend, on a Saturday or Sunday morning, and seen Jonathan killing it on TV, you owe it to yourself to get up early Saturday morning and check out Jonathan. We welcome Jonathan back to talk to Tom. Jonathan, um, I I've seen when we're down, people are coming by and talking to you. Give us a feeling of the mood, the vibe. What are they saying? What's going through their minds? 
Oh, well, yeah, and obviously you hear this a lot in disasters. We've never seen anything like this. You've been here a while. Some of these people have been there all, all their lives, and they literally have never seen anything like this. Uh, I talked to one guy earlier this morning, and he was just, he was like, where did, where did this come from? You know, this was just a tropical storm. This was just a Category 1 hurricane. And we already had detailed on why this one was so bad. Of course, you had Ian weakening things prior before, but I think everyone's just in a state of shock. Yeah, they live along the beach. They, they know the risk there, of course. They've been here a long time, and this has never happened before. So, again, you feel for them, and I know there's a lot of that going around, like, well, they, they live on the beach, but it's, mm -hmm. it's awful. There's a lot of shock, obviously, a lot of sadness out here, Tom. Yeah, the age of those homes would lead you to believe they have to be shocked. Like, I don't know how old that house was behind you, but that's, that's not a brand-new Bigfoot home. It's 1904. Been there. What? 1904, yeah. The gentleman I was, uh, when we were talking to you right before we came out here, yeah, it was built 1904. More than a hundred years. Everything. Wow. But see, this is different. It's a different age we're living in with the compound flooding, with the storms hanging around longer, raining harder, big waves coming, sea level rising. It's never been the way it is now, at least not in our lifetimes. So. I mean, we saw this kind of in 2004. You were here for it. Mm -hmm. We had a one come in from the southwest and two come in from the east, and it withstood. So as you mentioned, kind of the new normal. It is the new normal. It's the world we're living in. Everybody wants to always go, was this or was this not climate change? But I got to believe that if you ask those people there, they see the difference and they can see the fingerprints of a changing climate. It's not just going to be everything gets hot, global warming. It's going to be things change and the fingerprints of that change are there right now. Tom, one woman I spoke to this morning just, just on the beach, she was like, this has to be climate change. She lives in a condo wow. right down the street. She was okay, but that's what she said. They've never seen anything like this. Yeah, and uh, my fear is you mentioned building back. You know, when they build back, they're going to think more about um, what are they going to do about vegetation? How are they going to put the rocks out? How can we stop it? I'm not so sure you can get it built back fast enough big enough, good enough, strong enough to stop it again. I mean, I've got to feel, the wall held just north of there. And it's kind of like the levees in New Orleans. Had the levees held, you know, maybe we wouldn't be talking about this. Had the wall held, maybe we wouldn't have had this issue. This issue. But building back stronger, bigger, faster, fast enough before the next go round, I'm not sure. All right, Jonathan, I'm going to let you go, buddy. I appreciate all your hard work, A, while we were going through it, and B, now on Talk to Tom, standing on the beach. Thank you so much, my man. Absolutely. I'll Thank see you, Tom. You all right. All right. There you go. Jonathan Kegas reporting live, well, live on Talk to Tom anyway, from the beaches of Daytona Beach Shores and Wilbur by the Sea. What a mess the whole Hurricane Nicole turned out to be. What I want to do now is try to answer um, a few questions. You, the viewer questions, the kind that you can send in to us on clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom. Our first question out of the box is from James Feehan. James sent us this, the question, are we done for the season? <laughs> Magical question, James. I would have said yes. We're so totally done. We have hit the wall. Not much 
happens in November, it would be um, a historical strike if we had something hit us in November. And lo and behold, that's what we had. So yeah, I would go ahead and say I do believe we are over for the season. Um, normally by the end of November, we turn it off. And that's when the hurricane season comes to an end. Are we truly done? Will we see more activity? My guess is we're warm enough, the climate is set up enough that there will be more systems developing, but I believe those will be near misses, misses, or somewhere else. So prayers that we are done for the season, we should be done. All right, we want to take a live call-in question right now. Uh, we're going to get to our friend named Kevis. Good, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you, first of all, for taking the time to call in. And second of all, what you want to know, bud? You know, I've always been curious. I always see people um, doing like meteorologist type stuff. And I'm always wondering what made people decide to pursue that career. So I'm asking you, what made you um, oh. decide to become a meteorologist? <laughs> okay, that's a great question. And I get it all the time, mostly from, uh, you know, grammar school students who want to know, can I be a meteorologist? <laughs> and how did you become a meteorologist? And what makes you want to do it? Um, and that's, the, to start, um, everybody, much like when you ask anyone why they do what they do, just about every person will have a different answer for why they do what they do. And in my line of work, what I have found is that um, there's several different breeds of dudes and dudettes, guys and gals, men and women, who do it for different reasons. You have like a meteorological gym rat. I have a great friend named Paul Gross up in Detroit, Michigan. All Paul ever wanted to be was a broadcast meteorologist. He loves meteorology. He loves it, loves it, loves it. He is the meteorological equivalent of a gym rat in basketball. He lives for it, loves it from like age six on. Um, then you have some people who, who um, figured out they had to do something and they got into it that way. And you have other people who do it kind of like on the side as a hobby and it became a job. For me, when I was a child, this didn't enter my mind. I grew up wanting to do radio or play-by-play -play sports. And then I wanted to be Brent Musburger, uh, who is like the, mod the old version of the modern day Kirk Herbstreet. I wanted to be a sports guy covering stuff. Yep. But I did love science and I did like the weather. I did like the weather. I didn't know that I could do this for a living. I used to drive my truck down to the man-made lakes, Old Hickory Lake, and watch the lightning strike the water. And I was fascinated by it. But when I got to college the first time, they pushed me to take science classes instead of just journalism and speech classes. So I didn't want to take biology. I didn't want to take geology. I wasn't into digging up rocks. So I took meteorology and I fell in love with it. Thought it was great. And I went home and I was talking to my friends about the moon, the floods, the high tides in Texas, what was going on. And they were like, dude, would you shut up? Stop talking about that. Hush. <laughs> and I figured out that I was into science that they weren't into. So I got steered into science that way. And then at my first job where I was hired as a reporter, the weather guy failed to show up and they went, you've done meteorology. You're the new weatherman. You want the job? And I went, yes. They said, can you do it? And I said, I can do anything. And they said, you sure you want the job? And I went, looks like rain. Yeah, I want the skin. <laughs> and so that's how I got steered into it. I did not start out. I started out to either play lead guitar, do sports, 
or something like that. But I love that I got steered into meteorology and it took over my life and now it's my passion. So thank you. That's, That's a great awesome. question. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. All right. Thank you, buddy. It was good to see you on Talk to Tom. Talk to Tom will be on every Thursday. If you want your question answered, just go to clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom. And of course, we are always on News 6 Plus.